So this morning, I'm reading a news story that the Biden administration wants to extend our public education from 12 to 14 years. What do you think? This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. We don't need no education. We don't need no thought control. Funny, for the last couple of days, I have thought about doing a program about indoctrination and education in the United States and Canada, most of the Western world. It has been on my mind for quite a long time, actually for years, but the last couple of nights in particular, I'd go to bed and I'd wake up around three or four in the morning, and this topic has been on my mind. So, so when I got up this morning and I read the news, and I saw this story about where President Biden was somewhere in Illinois talking about the idea that in order for the United States to be competitive, that's the excuse, we, we need to extend we need to extend education another two years, make it 14 years of school. Now, this doesn't even include the daycare, the preschool, the pre-kindergarten and kindergarten. In effect, what's going to happen over time, if you can't see this, if we extend kindergarten through the 14th grade with the excuse of being competitive, and we start getting a hold of many children, particularly in the bigger cities, oh, I don't know, around age three, for the next 17 years, for the next 17 years with preschool and kindergarten and two additional years, for almost 17 years, the government schools will have more control over your children, their values, what they learn, and what they believe than you ever will. They'll learn starting during those very formative years as they're beginning to learn how to speak, begin to learn how to communicate. The government will control what goes into their minds, what they're allowed to say, think, and act, and believe at a very young age, and keep reinforcing it through elementary, then an extended middle school, and a lengthier high school. What's going to happen in our society, our world, our country, if something like this should come to pass? Now, before you say, well, Bob, you know, our kids really need a better education. Yeah, I agree, they do. They need a real education, which is what they are not getting any longer in our public indoctrination centers that have this misnomer of a name where they try to call it a school. Critical race theory is being pushed by the National Education Association and others, though they deny it. 
you can read their own writings and it tells you what they're going to do. I've said it before, evil never has to hide itself, really. It loves the darkness, but it willingly tells you what they're going to do and most people just never pay attention. Any despot, any dictator, any tyrant ruler has always used the same mechanism to retain and increase their power over their civilizations, their countries, their regions. All of them. All of them want access to the children because they know to sustain what they are trying to create, they're going to have to have willing children who, when they become adults, are already indoctrinated to what the country is going to be. In the Soviet Union, one of the first things they did was to close down churches and take over education. Nazi Germany, same thing. They started controlling the school children to teach them to give their hail to Hitler and the Third Reich and all that Hitler had in mind, right down to his uh, hatred of the Jewish people. It was being taught to very young children. And now we have the Biden administration wanting to add an additional two years over time. Oh, they say it's voluntary. They say we can just add this. But you know that anything the government does comes in in stages and steps. In time, it'll be, you know, this really has worked out. We really need to do this all the way across the board. Number one, the federal government shouldn't even be in the education business to begin with. It is not something that is in the Constitution for them to do. And I find this rather troubling to be honest, that we're even having this discussion. I have looked over material that's out there. You can find it. Not hard to find. What what education was like, let's say, 100 years ago, 150 years ago. The little one-room schoolhouse was generating people coming out with an eighth-grade education vastly superior to many that will come out of a 12- or 14-year government school education system. They knew how to read. They could write. They could do mathematics. They didn't need calculators to do it. They learned how to do it by hand. They learned how to write by hand. They learned how to communicate properly the English language in a public school. And many, by the eighth grade, had vastly more usable knowledge a hundred years ago than high school students graduating today. I've shared this many a time on the program. I have talked to many, a recent high school graduate over the last several years. And I am thoroughly befuddled, amazed, and disappointed in how little they understand about how this country works about our government, about our Constitution, and even about our history. In George Orwell's book, 1984, one of the first things any tyrannical government does is to erase and change history. That's job number one. 
we must have a new history developed every day moving forward where there is no past, only the present, and the future dominated by a political ideology. He was right. Of course, all he had to do was observe what had happened in Nazi Germany, observe what was happening in the Soviet Union, observe what has happened through history and what was beginning to happen at a rapid pace in China. It was obvious for everybody to see. And for a long time, for a long time, we held values in this country based upon the Bill of Rights of our Constitution, which most young people today do not understand, do not even know, and they have no idea of what a congressman or a senator really does, what their job is supposed to be. They look they looked to Washington, D.C. for all their hope and their dreams and their aspirations. The tools in Satan's toolbox are the same today as they were 2,000, 4,000, 5,000 or more years ago. They never change. You can look through the scripture and see the same pattern repeat over and over again, and people keep falling into it because they become deceived. And many give into their sinful nature to such a degree that they have what the Bible calls a reprobate mind, where all the evil and torrid things seem normal and good. And those things that are good, well, they're not good. Another story I read this morning talked about our national archives. They want to try to erase history, too. they're, They're floating ideas. Maybe we need to get rid of Mount Rushmore. You know, it's too racist. It's too white. Maybe we need to have a warning, literally a warning sticker or placard or sign if you ever go to visit and see the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the Declaration of Independence. They want to have a warning to tell you that what you may encounter is some hate speech. This is the evil part of our history we're trying to undo. What they're really trying to do is create a two-tier system. The elite, the powerful, and those that serve the needs of the elite and the powerful. I've shared this before on the program. One of the most evil organizations on the planet is the World Economic Forum. Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum, paid for with United Nations funds, which come basically from taxes from all over the world, including a huge part from us here in the United States. He believes that nobody should own anything. He wants by the year 2030, and that's only nine years away, where you don't own anything, but you'll be happy because they'll give you what you need. Another story I read this morning. When you look at various age groups and their belief about an economic system, 
It takes people that are, let's say, over the age of 50 to finally hit a majority of people that even have any respect for capitalism. And then it's only 57% in the United States. That means 43% of adults, 50, 60, and 70 years of age, would be thoroughly content in a totally socialistic society where the government gives you what you need to get through your life. When you talk about the idea of cradle to grave, cradle to grave, a lot of people will say, Bob, you don't, you're, you're, not, you're just talking nonsense. You're, you're talking a conspiracy theory. Yet look at how we keep throwing money around. We printed it faster than we can spend it. And now we're spending not in the millions or billions, we're spending in the trillions with a T. We're going to come to a point, and, and listen, look at what's happened to housing prices in just the last six, seven months. They've gone absolutely insane. There is no justification for some of the numbers that I'm seeing on some of the houses that, I'm, that I know. Houses in neighborhoods where just about, oh, seven years ago, I thought a house being 140000 was high. Now they want three hundred and twenty. And young people, when they finally decide to get a house and get out of their parents' house, are then saddled with these massive mortgages on all this funny money that we keep printing. And the more money they print, the less value your money has. You can see it in prices going up, and they will continue to go up. If you have a mortgage payment and you're you know, a young person starting a career, unless you're able to make six figures, it's going to be rather difficult to raise a family. When you have a mortgage payment that may be, oh, I don't know, two or three thousand a month in some places, or even more. Try to get an apartment in New York City or San Francisco or Los Angeles, and you wonder why there's so many homeless. We have devalued our money so much that it takes more of these ever decreasing dollars just to get by. And unless something dramatic happens in the very near future, it's just going to keep getting worse. We have young people today that are being massively deceived about the, the beauty of a, of a fair and equitable society. Well, what is a fair and equitable society? You know, free of hate speech. Well, who decides what is hate speech? Who decides what is proper to say or not say? When things happen in Europe, when things happen in Canada or Australia, take notice because they ultimately find their way here to the United States. Read a story about a comedian. I probably would never like his comedy. I would probably find it bizarre. I'd find it offensive. So I probably wouldn't spend any money to listen to the guy. He's a bit of an anti-Semitic, and I have no use for anti-Semitics, but I'm not going to I'm not going to force him not to believe what he wants to believe. Yet in France, he's going to jail for four months because of his hate speech in a comedy video.
If you don't think it's coming here, you have your head in the sand. It is coming here sooner than you think. Thought police. Mind control. It's on its way. When I first started in radio back in 1971, went to work for a small radio station in upstate New York. The station was essentially you know, top 40 music of the day. But they had a program on twice a day. One was a five-minute version. One was 15 minutes. The most popular program, little show, on that radio station was Paul Harvey. Remember him? He had his five-minute news and commentary in the morning and a 15-minute get-together every afternoon. We aired him, I think it was around 12 noon on that radio station. And it was highly sponsored with a waiting list. Paul Harvey was a great observer. And way back in 1965, he, he put together a commentary that was part of his, I think, may have been his 15-minute show, may have been for the five-minute, I can't remember, it's been so long ago. And this is 1965. He's been around a long time. And he was well in his 90s when he finally retired and then shortly thereafter passed away. We've seen the handwriting on the wall of the direction that many people wanted to take this nation many, many decades ago. It didn't happen last year. It didn't happen eight or 10 years ago or even 20 years ago. It's been gradually building up slowly under the surface for 50 plus years or more. Paul Harvey was seeing it beginning to take root in 1965 when he shared this little item called, If I Were the Devil. If I were the devil. If I were the devil. If I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness. And I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree, the. So I'd set about, however necessary, to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. If I were the devil, I would encourage schools to refine young intellects, but neglect to discipline emotions, just let those run wild. Until before you knew it, you'd have to have drug-sniffing dogs and metal detectors at every schoolhouse door. Within a decade, I'd have prisons overflowing, 
I'd have judges promoting pornography. Soon I could evict God from the courthouse, then from the schoolhouse, and then from the houses of Congress. And in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion and deify science. I would lure priests and pastors into misusing boys and girls and church money. If I were the devil, I'd make the symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I'd take from those who have and give to those who wanted until I had killed the incentive of the ambitious. And what'll you bet? I couldn't get whole states to promote gambling as the way to get rich. I would caution against extremes in hard work, in patriotism, in moral conduct. I would convince the young that marriage is old-fashioned, that swinging is more fun, that what you see on TV is the way to be. And thus I could undress you in public, and I could lure you into bed with diseases for which there is no cure. In other words, if I were the devil, I'd just keep right on doing what he's doing. Fifty-six years ago, 1965, is when Paul Harvey recorded that, If I Were the Devil. And here we are 56 years later, and everything he said is pretty much what has been occurring since that time. And each year, it gets progressively a little bit worse. Not massively, but just enough where most people don't notice. It doesn't affect their life. By the way, if you're just tuning in, this is the program Truth to Ponder, and I'm your host, Bob Bierman. We do this program five days a week. There's also a weekend version that goes out to additional radio stations. It's heard as a podcast. And I want to remind you, we have a website, which is truth2ponder.com, truth2ponder.com. By the way, this week we are in Florida. We should be returning to Georgia sometime in the next several days. And we've been down here working on a project. I'll be telling you about that in just a few minutes, some updates and things for those that are kind of following. But it is important that I hear from you to know that you're listening. More than anything, just to know you're there. Some days I do this program and I'll go for days and I won't hear from anybody either in regular mail or an email or, or just no comment at all. And you wonder... Is the program doing any good? Am I helping anybody discern what is going on in this world? We've been doing the program now. We are in our uh, 11th month. Just started our 11th month here in July. Hard to believe 11 months of doing this program every day. And with only one exception where I had to use a repeat, we've done a, a new and fresh program every day, including holidays. I just think we're living in such a time that real truth and information and the ability for you to see through all the noise is just desperately needed. Education. We started talking about it today, and I want to continue that for a few minutes here and really drive this home. I am an advocate that parents and those especially of the Christian faith need to take over their children's education and not hand it off to a third party. The days, like when I went to school, and I was thinking about this the other day, I think it was, oh, last week, I was watching um, 
watching, I think it was Laura Ingram at night. And she had a program. And she's talking about education when she went to school. She's a little bit younger than I am. So I can remember my starting school in the very late 50s through the 60s into the very early 70s was the time that I was in school. And she was talking about some teachers that still stand out in her mind all these years later. And I happen to start thinking to myself, people that influenced my life literally from kindergarten through the 12th grade. These were teachers that you could thoroughly respect, and I thank them for the education, the care, the genuine concern they gave me to give me, well, a good head start into life. From kindergarten, Mrs. Grau's class in 1959, all the way through elementary school, I can think of teachers, I can see them in my mind, junior high, then high school, and one English teacher in the ninth grade that said, you know, Robert, your spelling is terrible, but your ability to comprehend the language and your writing ability is outstanding. If you could just correct the spelling issues, you'd have it made. A math teacher that reminded me said, you're trying to take the easy way out. Well, we always try to do that, but he kept challenging me to do more. A history teacher that really explained what this nation was all about in a very fair and unbiased way. The good and the bad. And why we should be proud to be an American in a country that is free. As he said, if you can keep it that way. Because he was already seeing the handwriting on the wall. And then in my senior year, I had a civics teacher, and he was very different than most teachers I had had to that point. His, he was a young guy, and he challenged us to think. To this day, I could never tell you what his politics were. He never revealed it. But he challenged you how to debate, how to think, how to reason, how to put together information and make your own case based on factual information and knowledge and not somebody's opinion. Opinions, everybody has one, but it doesn't mean they're right. A 12th grader, four years, three years ago, I think, maybe two, I can't remember, maybe two years ago, we got into a discussion about things that are absolute. And I said, okay, so two plus three equals five. And she goes, well, that's just your opinion. And I go, no, it's not my opinion. It's an informed answer. Well, no, all I said, so you're saying that, that three plus two could equal 17? Well, if you wanted to, yes. And this is what they're learning in our public schools. And we want to give them 14 years plus preschool. You want 14 to become 16 or 17 years? I don't think so. Unless you want this nation to crumble into a country like Venezuela, which we are well on our way to do. If we keep printing money, don't be surprised. I noticed this the other day. Had to go by the grocery store just to get a few little items because I'm staying uh, away from our regular house, with um, staying with friends for a couple of days so I can get this radio program done in the peace and quiet and do the research. And I had to go to the store, and I was surprised how many little, little tags were 
Uh, we're so sorry we're out of this item. Hopefully, we'll be back in stock soon. I never used to see those kind of signs in grocery stores. There's a piece of equipment I'm trying to get shipped from one place to another for a radio project. There's a shipping container shortage, and it's going to be probably four or five weeks later than they were originally thinking it would take. Things are beginning to slowly, slowly fall apart. And you need to be paying attention in the world's worst kind of way. I've got a few of the things I want to share in the next segment. I want to remind you, we, I want to just take one minute here if you'll allow me. I'm, I know I'm going to be running late to my break, but bear with me. We've had the satellite channel now for about six weeks, and I'm not happy with the music I've got on it. I, I just haven't had the time because we've been in Florida to, to even deal with it. And I'd like to make sure that this satellite channel on Galaxy 19 is meeting a need. I, I've been listening and I'm thinking, you know, these folders of music that we're building a rotation from, it's just not meeting the need, I believe. I believe this satellite channel should have refreshing and godly music and programs to edify, instruct, teach, inform. It should be a channel you can turn on safely in your home and learn and be blessed. So if you have any suggestions for what we could play musically, let me know. Use You can just write me a direct email if you'd like. And my email address is bob at truth2ponder.com, bob at truth2ponder.com. And of course, we appreciate any financial support. I am not paid. I don't get a salary for doing this program. We're investing it in airtime to increase the reach. And our mailing address is 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. That's number 263 in Sky Valley, two words, Sky Valley, Georgia, 30537. Once again, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263, Sky Valley, Georgia, 30537. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Wolves and sheep. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Now, Matthew 7, Messiah speaks of wolves. Now, what exactly are wolves? Wolves are dog-like carnivores. The large northern male may grow up to six feet long and weigh around 120 pounds. Now, wolves live in packs. They chase and they stalk and they go for blood. When they see blood, they go for the kill. And then there are sheep. Sheep are very different animals. Sheep are basically timid animals who spend their days grazing in herds and are almost totally without any protection from predators. Now, if you belong to the Lord, you're one of the sheep and you're not a wolf. At the same time, the Lord describes the enemy of our souls as a wolf. The problem is wolves are a lot stronger than sheep and more cunning and more ferocious and more dangerous and sheep have almost no protection. So what's a sheep to do? Get into weight training, martial arts, go out, get a gun license and buy some firearms? No. 
Though sheep are defenseless on their own, they're usually not on their own, but with a shepherd. So wise sheep learn not to trust in their own strength or abilities or their own discernment or perception. Instead, they learn to trust the shepherd, even above their own eyes. They learn to trust his eyes, his strength, his, his discernment, and so it is with you. You're no match for the enemy and the things which war against your soul, all those sins, all those temptations, but you're not on your own. You have a shepherd, the shepherd of your soul, and the things which war against your soul are no match for the shepherd. So trust not in your strength, my friend, or in your judgment, but learn to trust in his and stay close by his side and you'll be all right. And his rod and his staff will comfort you and goodness and loving kindness will follow you all the days of your life. Want more? Ask for wolves in sheep's clothing. Now the free gift for you, the most incredible evidence of Messiah, the mystery of the temple doors plus sapphires, guaranteed to give you the power of living victorious life in God, all free. How do you get all these free gifts? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and dial it. That's it. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's it. But call now. You'll be blessed. 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now, my friend, you're on this earth for a great purpose, to be a blessing. So I invite you to join me in bringing the greatest blessing to the unreached peoples of this world, salvation to five continents with over a billion people. Just call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or we'll write me direct, the nice Jewish boy, at box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, and the zip is 07644. That's the nice Jewish boy, box 1111 in Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Well, till next time, this is Jonathan Khan saying Shalom Aleichem. Peace be to you, my friend and Messiah, Adon Olam, the Lord of all. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. I was thinking as I went to bed last night how simple things were when I first got out of my own. I was about four months shy of my 18th birthday when I left home to go to school in Ohio. And over the next couple of years, I did my schooling, I worked had my own little places that I lived in. And I remember this one place that I was in. Oh, I guess I was almost 20 years old then, maybe 19. I had rented this little efficiency apartment in this renovated old house where they had converted this large, old stately home near a downtown area into a apartment building. Some were one bedroom with a living room and kitchen, and there were a couple of efficiencies like mine. And honestly, the room was rather small. It had a little tiny kitchenette that had a two-burner oven, little tiny oven, little sink, little refrigerator, no microwave. They hadn't really been out there yet except for the very wealthy. And it had a chair and a little pull-out sofa. It was a little twin bed uh, love seat. And it had a small dining room table. I didn't have a TV set, but I did have a radio, just a nice table radio, AM and FM. And I would read books and newspapers and listen to the radio. 
My job at the time, I had to get up at about 4.15 in the morning to be at work by 5.30. And it was a simple life. And my job back then was doing the news at a small radio station in upstate New York. I had taken the position as a news reporter and reader. Now, this is long before the internet, long before cable television, long before CNN, long before the 24-7 news cycles. And so local radio was often used as the primary means of getting news to people. Everything from school closings when the weather was bad to just news and weather in general. I looked at my job then as a job that had integrity, a job where accuracy was important. And I was told early on that my opinion really didn't matter. Kind of like if you remember the TV show Dragnet, just the facts, just the facts. That's all they wanted. The who, what, why, where, and when. That's all we needed to do for news back then. And even even in 1972, with a presidential election, there wasn't this fever pitch of anger and hatred that we see today. People like myself, even my parents, we were not obsessed about politics. Of course, government was a lot smaller than it is today as well, so it didn't directly impact our lives as much as it does today. In that job, I would cover city council meetings, and I would go to a school board meeting or two, a county council meeting. And everything was rather tame in those days. There wasn't the shouting, there wasn't the anger, there wasn't the nonsense in the schools we have today. They were more concerned about the quality of education that students get decent SAT scores so those that desired to go on to college would have a good foundation from high school. We were concerned about our general quality of life. And for the most part, when I look back in my early years, even after I got married and started with a family, life was a lot simpler. And I was nobody was obsessed about who was the president or who wasn't. Yeah, it was there in the background, but it wasn't in the foreground being just being beaten over the head every day as it is today. All of this, if you haven't figured it out, is by design. One of the best ways to conquer a people, and let's go back to what Paul Harvey said in that first segment that I shared from 56 years ago, If I Were the Devil. We would have fighting from within, within our churches, within our our own states, our communities, our nation. That's how, that's how the devil divides us to enslave us. Because instead of being unified around something wholesome and good, we're too busy yelling at each other and complaining and living our lives. I can remember the streets that I lived on as a child. I knew who my neighbors were. 
up and down the street. My parents knew who our neighbors were up and down the street. A lot of us in many of our towns can't do that anymore. Now, in our little community in Georgia, it's different. We do know the people around us. It's a different, it's a rural area. It's quiet. And people are also very Christian, and they live their faith daily. You go to many a big city today, that's not the case. People, they don't go to church anymore. They don't care about it. They put faith, as Paul Harvey said, they look to Washington for all their answers and solutions. If you go back to the 1950s, 1950s China and 1960s China, following the Second World War, China was overrun and taken over by communist Mao Zedong. And just like every other despot leader before him around the world, they always follow the same identical playbook. They start by taking over the raising of children in the schools. They begin to control the curriculum at a national level and take a lot of authority away from the local. By the time Mao Zedong had been in power for a number of years, you already had children that had started out in Chinese preschools and went through their education system and into their university system, thoroughly indoctrinated in the ways of the Communist Party of China. And they were empowered to make their country better by by getting rid of all the old and bad thinking. Millions of people died in China at the hands of young revolutionaries, empowered and encouraged by the Communist Party of China. It was called the Cultural Revolution. And back in the 1970s, I could never envision something like that happening in the United States. Even in my jobs where I did news, even into the mid-1970s, I did that a couple of times. I, I kind of rotated back and forth between, you know, being the guy that played records on one radio station to the guy that read the news at another. I'm thinking back in the days of the Associated Press teletype machines. They were the source of news that we could read, both state, regional, national, and world. And you didn't see the, the slant or at least I couldn't see it then in the news. It was just, these are the facts. Yet today, when you read a news story, and if you have a a mind to, to discern, you'll notice that much of the news today is nothing more than state-run propaganda for an ideology. Our major newspapers, our major TV networks, plus CNN, they all... They all share from the same exact talking points each and every day. If you try to express a differing view on any of the media platforms that you can use, like Facebook, Twitter, 
even LinkedIn of all places now, are beginning to to make people disappear. I read about a doctor, Dr. Malone. He is probably the inventor of what's called the mRNA technology that has been used in the new COVID-19 vaccine. And this guy, the inventor, has some serious concerns about how this technology is being used in these vaccines. And he says, while they hold great promise for some things, they don't hold a tremendous promise for many others, including potentially this virus. And so this renowned virologist, epidemiologist, physician with an impeccable background who did the research to even develop some of the vaccines that are out there. Now, I'm not trying to say yes or no about them. I'm just saying who this person is. And he expressed an opinion that differs from the mainstream narrative. And now even LinkedIn has removed him. Facebook has minimized him. YouTube has scrubbed his video or any interviews with him off their platform. It's like one guy said the other day, and he's he's probably right. You know, I don't need some 24-year-old college graduate who studied propaganda journalism at one of our woke universities who rides to work on a skateboard wearing a hoodie telling me what is or is not medical science and deciding what can and cannot be said on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, or anywhere else, or even LinkedIn. We are seeing the gerbilization, that's the best word I can come up with, the gerbilization of our entire news media apparatus in the United States. When Hitler was getting ready to come to power, Germany, to a degree, had a free press. When Hitler took over power, that freedom, well, it kind of disappeared. If you wanted to be in favor and stay publishing, you had to tout the party line. And and essentially, that is what is happening today. There's an ideology out there. It is a socialistic I'll just say it, it's a communistic ideology where you have a handful of very wealthy elite power brokers. There's another book that George Orwell put out called Animal Farm, where the animals decided to take over the farm and they were going to have all these wonderful rights and and they're going to just do it right and they're going to share equitably in everything. And so they, they rebel and they take over the farm. And at first, everything seems just wonderful. We all have plenty to eat. We all have our needs met. We all seem to get along. Then eventually, those that led the revolution started saying, well, where everybody was supposed to be equal, some are now more equal than others. And this is what happens in any despot society, in any tyrannical government, like Nazi Germany, the elite, the power brokers, certain big corporations become the favored of the regime. There are some companies that are 
from Germany to this day that were major players in the industrialization and the weaponization of Germany for World War II, including Bayer. Yeah, the ones that make the aspirin. They also made the gas for the concentration camps to kill Jewish people and other undesirables. But they were given an elite status. They could afford the nice homes, the better cars, the good food, the good life, because they played ball with the regime. The same thing is happening in China. One of the worst things that Richard Nixon ever did in retrospect, in retrospect, was to be convinced to open the door to make China a trading partner on a global scale. It may have sounded like a great idea at the time to to have a more peaceful society by having China as a player on the world stage instead of being behind what uh, Winston Churchill called the bamboo curtain, a force to be reckoned with. And so China has adapted some, well, let's say, carefully controlled capitalistic ways of doing business. And their way of taking over the world is going to be, uh, to be a necessary supplier to the rest of the world for goods and services. They've been rather successful. And yes, China has a number of billionaires, state-sanctioned billionaires and companies and corporations that are in good stead with the Communist Chinese Party. A party that if you disagree with what they say, if your church is not state-approved, you may end up in a re-education camp. They have thought police. They have a social credit score system of who gets the better job, better place to live, better medical care, better food. You have to tow the party line to be cared for. And my friends, that's what's coming to the United States one little incremental piece at a time. We are so far down that pathway. I'm afraid there may not be a way of turning back short of some kind of a second revolution. In a way, there is a second revolution going on, but it's not for the good. There's a second revolution already in play right now by those that want to put you under subjection to the World Economic Forum's global reset, and they're going to use everything from pandemic lockdowns in fear, and the next lockdowns, trust me, within a year or two will be well, we can reduce our carbon, carbon footprint by making people stay at home and living off Amazon. See, you get companies like Amazon that stand in the good stead of a leftist ideology. They are the power brokers, the elite, and the wealthy. The same like the Mark Zuckerbergs over at, at Facebook. The guy at Twitter, Jack Dorsey. The people at Google and others, they are now among the elite and they have all, they have all sworn their allegiance to an anti-American ideology, yet they try to hide behind aspects of the law and constitution to bring you under slavery and subjection.
You're not allowed to have free thoughts and a free mind. Oh, they say you do, but you do it. Listen, this program, from the beginning, when it was your weekend show, I used to put up this program every week to several different podcasting sites. And believe it or not, this program has been available for six years, you know, as the weekend show and now daily Truth to Ponder, on YouTube. And for the first four years, five years, I never had any issue with the program. But now, I I really don't pay attention to YouTube. I know it automatically goes there when I load it to a certain location. It distributes it to a few others, including YouTube. And I hadn't gone to visit the YouTube page in probably six or seven or eight months. Literally from since maybe September of last year. And I happened to go there last week. And I realized how many of the episodes have been deleted by YouTube for not meeting their standards or, or sharing uh, you know, dangerous information and content. I start getting warnings now on Facebook about you may be the victim of extremist content. Hey, I'm probably the source in their opinion of extremist con- you know, comments and content, and I'm proud of it because all I'm doing is telling you the truth. I mentioned something else. I'm going to just change gears for one minute here. I saw this article too. With global container shipping rates hitting never-before-seen levels amid a historic global scramble to secure goods and inventory, suppliers to Walmart, Target, Amazon, and all the other major retailers are telling Reuters they're placing holiday orders for Chinese-made merchandise much earlier as there's a global shipping backlog. Yeah, I know. What should have already been here by now is not coming until August at the earliest. It also means that what normally in the United States is the Christmas, or if you want to call it holiday buying season, I'll leave that up to you. There may be a lot of things you're not going to be able to find, like computers and TV sets. There's going to be a shortage. Some of this they claim is a COVID-related closure and shortages of this pandemic. Listen, you're going to get used to what I was telling you, seeing certain goods and things not always in supply. Our currency is going down in value each and every day as we massively continue this irresponsible spending. There are employers looking for people to hire that do not want to work because why? Well, the extra $300 a week from the federal government along with your state unemployment benefits, who wants to go to work when you can stay home and make, oh, I don't know, $600 a week? Who wants to get up and get out of bed and have a job? We are disincentivizing people from work, productivity, and building and controlling their own lives and making them dependent upon the government to care for their every need. Klaus Schwab is right. For that group of people, by the year 2030, they'll own nothing except their iPhone, and they'll be happy because they don't have a care in the world. They'll have their 
you have all this talk about we we need a we we need a standard base income for everybody just for getting out of bed in the morning. And many will just try to live on that. We're, we're going to have less productivity, less quality, less everything over time as the elites get more powerful and we, the people, become more into a slavery and we're going to go there willingly. At least the generations behind me will. Oh, I have some theories. I'm not going to share them today of what I think is really going on what the long-range plan is. And let me tell you something. Demonic forces have long-range plans, longer than your lifetime or mine, longer than the next five generations of lifetimes. They see an evil goal, and they will take 100 years, 200 years to get there if they have to. America has been on this trend starting about 100 years ago, quietly under the surface with some noisy episodes in the 50s and 60s and early 70s, then a little bit louder in the 80s, then by the time education was literally taken over by the entire leftist establishment, where the thought police control what you're allowed to believe on a college campus. Those that are in their 20s and 30s today are the product of this indoctrination. They're the ones that think socialism's a great idea. Let's do it now. Democracy now. Democracy are two wolves and a sheep voting on what to have for lunch. They don't see it coming because they have not been taught how to critically think. I have a lot more to share in tomorrow's program. I'm going to continue this line of thought. It is important that you understand this indoctrination There are so many moving parts right now to disrupting this nation. It all started in earnest about 20 years ago. The election of Barack Obama was going to be the final nails in the coffin along with Hillary Clinton behind him. Then we had an interrupter called Donald Trump. And that's why the noise got amplified beyond belief. That's why the anger funny. You have Merrick Garland, a reprobate if there ever was one, in the Department of Injustice. He leads it. He leads it. They're proud of how many of the protesters of the Capitol they're arresting and locking up 23 hours a day in solitary confinement. But they won't arrest anybody that burned down buildings, destroyed police cars, people's businesses, and killed others in their wake. Do you believe in the Ministry of Truth, Padre? I hope you do. I really need to hear from you. Is this program worth continuing? Are you actually listening? I have to know. I'm going to share some additional things about the program tomorrow. If you can help us financially, would you consider a gift, large or small? Every little bit helps. Our mailing address is 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263, Sky Valley, Georgia, Three zero five three seven. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth 
in a darkening world.